Hey, all you intrepid architects out there. If you believe design can change the world, then you've found your humans here on this show, Architecting. My name is Angela Mazzi, and I'm an architect and career coach who's figured out how to live my passion while claiming a successful architecture career and lifestyle. This show is about the architect as a person and will help you bypass the status quo traps in our profession while teaching you how to make an impact in your career. We need to stand in our power as architects and use our skills to make great places. If you're with me, let's get architecting. bright lights. It's so good to be with you for another episode of Architecting, where we explore with raw honesty the state of our profession. Glad you're here with me. Glad you're part of this community. Even if you're just dipping your toe in this idea of advocacy or wondering, what does it mean to take a stand for my architectural lifestyle and you're exploring? Welcome. We are so happy you are here with us. And today is Q&A day. I have gone back through questions that I have gotten from listeners and I'm going to answer a couple of them on the air today. Before I get to that, just wanted to remind you if you are feeling overwhelmed, stressed out, like you have utterly lost control of your schedule, My new book is out. It is called Time Builder, and today is the last day that I'm offering it at half price. So if you go to the website, architectingpodcast.com, right there on the front page is a link to buy the book. And if you use code TIME21 at checkout, you will get a 50% discount. So that means you get the book for $10, plus as a bonus, you also get my de-stress and clarify mp3 which is a quick little meditation that you can listen to every day or before you go to bed before you start your day just to kind of calm down recenter and be a lot more deliberate and i think you'll find as you read the book that the mp3 is a nice little companion tool to implement some of the strategies in it so don't procrastinate you know how you leave bills and you defer things and you wait till later, then you forget about them and you have to pay late fees. It's the same thing here. So jump on this today. Get that 50% discount. Remember, it's right at architectingpodcast.com and use code TIME21. All right, let's dive right into the questions for today. First question today is from Ronnie and she asks, How do you stay balanced and get organized, especially if you have kids? And that is a great question, Ronnie. I think we all struggle with this one, right? I am raising my hand along with you. Life happens. No matter what you do, there always seems to be the threat of chaos capsizing your boat, no matter how carefully you plan. And if you feel like you didn't have a plan, you feel that much more out of control. What I would suggest is to put a support system in place for yourself, but it's more than that. It's also about having time in your day that you can feel free to focus on certain things, not other things. And what does that do for you? It stops the multitasking because multitasking is insidious. And while it feels 
like we're being productive because we're handling the crisis while we're keeping business as usual moving along on an even keel. It's actually taking more time to do the same amount of things because your concentration gets broken up and you have to reset each time just in order to get the work done. So you're not really using your time effectively when you multitask, even though it feels like you are. Far better to set aside chunks of time in your calendar where you only work on certain things. So do you need a life management hour each week so that you can pay bills, fill out school forms, arrange uh, pick up and drop off carpools. What is it that you need to manage in your life? And how much time will that take you each week? And try not to do this on the weekend. Try to find time during the week that you can schedule life management things. Get a handle on how much time it's taking to manage your kids' schedules and see where you can get help, if a spouse or partner can step in, if a neighbor, if you can leverage friends that your kids have that can help out, that can, you know, watch your kid or plan to trade off babysitting nights. Just look at the way that you could take some of the burden of managing your kids and their schedule off of your plate so that you can spend more time doing the things that are the really high quality things with your kids, like reading them bedtime stories or having great conversations or family game nights, you know, the things you really want to do, not the chore-based things. Look at ways that you can make your kids more independent. You know, kids today tend to be a little bit coddled by their parents because their parents are busy and it takes time to teach someone a new skill and it takes time to work with them on that skill so that they can do a good job. You know, in our house, it's clean the kitchen after dinner. And, you know, if there were a food inspector here some nights, they would close us down because of the state that my kids left the kitchen, walked away, and thought that that was just fine. So understand that just like at work, when you're training staff to do a new job, but when you're training your kids, you really do have to spend a lot of time right there side by side with them. And when they are ready to take on the task independently, you got to go back and inspect and do quality control. But once you train them, that's one less thing you have to do. So look at in your kids' lives and in household operations in general, what kind of things they could start to do independently. So you have Put the kibosh on multitasking. You have looked at other ways to get resourced to help you with life management and kid management. And you've worked to make your kids not only more independent, but to offload some of your tasks to them. So how else can we organize our schedules? Because things are always gonna come up, right? There are always gonna be the crises on projects, the emergencies we have to deal with. And I would say, have anchor points in your day. Those anchor points have to be non-negotiable for you. So do you start your morning by getting up before everyone else in your household? 
having your coffee, reading something inspirational, journaling and or meditating, and just really taking that time for you to get grounded, to get clarity about how you're going to approach your day. Do you take a little bit of time? I actually have a timer set on my phone for gratitude, and it pops up around noon every day, and I just take five minutes. I don't necessarily like move from where I am or anything like that. I just take a little bit of time to think about the people in my life, the blessings I have, and to really feel that joy and that happiness around what I do have. And it helps me to also think about how I should spend my time working for what I do want, not trying to avoid what I don't want, not struggling against things, but working for things. And it's a subtle mind shift, but it really does help you find the nuggets in every task and in every project that are advancing your personal goals rather than just simply being tasks. And, you know, we've all experienced frustrations on projects, things that didn't go well, clients that seemed promising and then turned out not to be, and the project, because of budget reasons, gets stripped down to nothing. And that's heartbreaking and it's discouraging. But if you keep your mind focused on the one thing you can do, on the way you've made a difference, on the story that you're advancing, on the people who are going to have something they didn't have before because of the work you put in and the contributions this project is going to make. It helps you to feel purpose-driven and excited to get the most potential you possibly can out of even a few elements in a project. And that feeling of being inspired and being joyful helps you to be more creative and more productive and more focused on how can I instead of all the reasons you feel shut down or cut out of chaos. Ronnie, I hope that answers your question and helps you get a little better sense of how even in a world that is rife with variables, it's one big calculus equation, you can still set up some fixed points. You can still clear your bandwidth for the things that matter, and you can still focus on strategies that keep you grounded and inspired. All right, our next question is from Tony. And Tony writes in saying, My boss tends to email or text me at all hours of the day, including on weekends. I'm never sure if the expectation is that I should be immediately responding to these, let alone doing the work. What advice do you have? I'm trying really hard to preserve my evenings and weekends for family time. This is another common thing, especially in today's workplace where connectivity never really stops unless you make it stop, right? So first of all, I would recommend, Tony, that you schedule some time with your boss. And number one, get clarity. 
So your boss may be sending these because he or she is working on something in the moment and they don't want to forget. And so they're sending it in their flow and there's no expectation that you're going to read it at that moment or respond to it at that moment. They just didn't want to forget while they were working on it. They're sending out the pertinent requests or tasks. So if that's the case, then you know, and you don't need to worry about it. If the expectation is that you are going to work on it, however, you need to set boundaries. So now you need to have what admittedly is a hard conversation, but a really necessary one about expectations. What is a reasonable expectation? What are you available to do? What kind of time frame are you available to respond within? Often I find that just simply saying, I turn off all digital after 6 p.m. You know, we can say a time that's comfortable for you each night, and I don't check it again until the morning. So if you needed me to work late or if an emergency comes up, you need to ask me, ahead of time and I will have to see what I can do in my schedule. That's usually effective enough to make a boss realize that maybe they are crossing a line and in a true emergency all of us want to step in and we can drop everything to the best of our abilities and put out the fire. But it shouldn't be a regular expectation that you're going to be available 24-7 or that you can or will drop everything. Often it just takes clarifying when you're available and if your time is needed above and beyond office hours, what needs to be done in advance to give you the notice so that you can make yourself available to work then. I know we talked a few episodes ago about boundaries and how important they are. If you don't respect your boundaries, you cannot expect anyone else to. Every time someone says jump and you say how high, you're basically conditioning them that you will always be there, that you will do whatever it takes, whether what's being asked is reasonable or not. On the other hand, if you set some boundaries, it doesn't mean you won't work overtime or you won't give 110%, just that there are parameters to observe if that's what's needed. That does two things. One, it conditions people that they need to respect your time, which doesn't matter what level you're at in your career, that's an important boundary to set. And two, it says that the expectation needs to be clear and in advance. So what that does is kind of acts as a check on someone who might be ready to just shoot from the hip and make a demand to have to really think about whether this is a true emergency, whether this could wait, whether as much as their thinking needs to be done in the moment is really necessary. So it kind of gives them that pause that might change their request. And 
If you're worried about, well, what is the fallout from saying no? I can tell you that the people I have seen advance the most in their careers are the ones that have boundaries because boundaries show that you respect yourself and therefore command you respect. And respect is a huge building block is just seeing you as a viable candidate for promotion and leadership opportunities. When you're a doormat, it's easy for everyone to just keep taking you for granted. So I hope that helps, Tony. I hope it gives you a, a little better sense of how to approach this issue and let you know that you're not wrong. It is perfectly fine to say, I am not available outside of working hours. Maybe not ever. And, and that is your choice. And you get to have the boundaries that you are comfortable with. But boundaries don't work if you don't communicate them. So if you're still struggling with this issue, um, you can always uh, schedule some private coaching time. But for now, try those tactics and get back to us. Let us know if what happened in this situation, how your boss responded, and what dynamic maybe shifted for you and them as a result of you holding a boundary. All right, everyone. Well, that is all for today. I hope you enjoyed this Q&A session. Know that you can get your questions answered too. Just DM me on Instagram or through LinkedIn or send me a direct email, Angela at architectingpodcast.com. I am happy to take your questions on the air and explore your options for having your best architecting lifestyle. Take care, everyone. Bye. Thanks for being part of this episode of Architecting. If you enjoyed the show, join our community on Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn to keep up with what's in the show pipeline, including a behind-the-scenes look at my architecture lifestyle. Feel free to share your content ideas. Love to hear your feedback. You can also visit architectingpodcast.com to download free career content and learn about my classes, book, and coaching programs. Until next time, stay inspired.